Hello and welcome to Shooting Straight. This is Darko Hain and I'm joined with Paul Dwyer and Ocean McCurns. Gentlemen, how are you? Not too bad. Excellent, thank you. Well, we've uh, since the last time we came on, we had a, a few slow news weeks. I we mean, did, yeah, pretty no, slow. No Donald, what, who, Donald Trump? What? Yep. Never heard Donald Trump? Never heard of him. No, no. no. Anyway, we've moved on. We have. More important things. Uh, <coughs> we're getting on to the favourite discussion of students in in, uh, in the country, all around the country, mm-hmm. is mental health. Um, so, as we know, the continued issue of mental health in Ireland is something that we've talked about on the show before. But last week, we saw two prominent figures in Irish entertainment speak about their experiences, and especially, in Al Porter's case, his troubles with mental health. Rubber Bandit's satirical artist or social commentator, whatever you choose, Blind Boy Boat Club was on the Late Late Show speaking about a number of issues in Irish society, which of course included mental health. An Irish comedian, Al Porter, Porter, spoke candidly last Wednesday on Brendan O'Connor's Cutting Edge show about how how he is on antidepressants and his struggle with mental illness. So I think I'll start off with a question posed by Blind Boy, who's become a real leading voice for many in our generation. If the clown is making sense, why the fuck aren't the people who are supposed to be making sense making sense? <laughs> that is the big question. I mean, if we could answer that. That was a question and a half there. Fair play. Um, God, I, I, I really don't know. It's more embarrassing, really, when you think about it. Yeah, that's exactly a, what he said. That's that, what he, The man with the bag on his head is making more sense than the politicians. Than the politicians, like, oh. yeah. I mean, that's the key kind of question that's like, if we answer that question, then we solve a, then we solve hell a lot of problems. Lot of problems. Yeah. But uh, there is no real answer to that question. No, Why people really. who are supposed to be making sense are making sense. Um, when I saw this, I was, I was thinking as well, Paul, <coughs> you, you might have come across Simon Harris a few times being from Wicklow. Um, yeah, I go for jogs with him. <laughs> <laughs> me and the uh, minister for help. Me and the hire. <laughs> Do you think that this was really his appointment? Wasn't necessarily his, how, like, how competent he's able of dealing with the minister of health role but rather you're not going to criticise a young face as much as you do an old face that's actually a very good point that's actually a fair point yeah no because they probably appointed him thinking okay we'll kind of look like we're more down with the kids exactly if we have, if we we'll appoint one of their own we'll appoint a journalism graduate yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> this, res- this resonates with us health. a lot more than most people but I suppose appointing a young person kind of the young people are going to respond better then they're going to be like okay he's, he's, he, he, he knows the yeah. crack. He'll, he'll solve this kind of thing but sure he can only do so much he's only That's 29 true. or 30 like true. as well so and it, this is and you can, there's only a year I suppose now. you can buy into the fact you've seen him speak at talks with Blind Void was, was he at EP am I imagining yeah they yeah, were they had a discussion they had a discussion at EP yeah. that, that wouldn't work if it was say Michael Noonan would it I don't think so no, uh, no. it's a good it's, it's a good kind of like you have Simon Harris, Blind Boy, and like the kind of youth of Ireland. It's a kind of a good chain of command, the kind yeah. of if you you know what I mean. It was good atmosphere to have it. As yeah, well, you know. With Blind Boy as kind of the link between the youth and the, the minister. Yeah, it's there, a yeah. good kind of it's a good 
link to have. But like Harris was like very, very subdued in that whole yeah. interview. And it was just Blind Boy was really kind of going at him. Like I suppose Blind Boy has the freedom where he's not bound by anything in particular. Simon you know? Harris kind of is. So, yeah, yeah, I mean he's got and the whole party behind him. In the show that he, he seems to just have his hands tied behind his back. There's only so much he can do. Yeah. And that's what I'm wondering. Do you think it's the his appointment was more so just an image appointment rather than what he could actually do? It could have been, yeah. I mean, I'd imagine so, so he is. Does, I mean, there's bound to be a heap more people that would be up on Andy Kenny's like register of yeah. who would have more experience or like. I mean, again, he's a very young guy, you know. Minister for Health is a high profile kind of. Yeah, yeah. it's a high profile member. You know what I mean? Like it would it's, get it's more it's traction. It's either the top job or second top job. Yeah, it'd get, and it'd get a lot more media traction than kind of say like. Uh, yeah, minister tourism or yeah, sport stuff like that. Like it, it'd get a lot more uh, traction. Oh yeah, huge responsibility. Mm. So we're going to talk about Al, Por- Al Porter in a little bit, a little bit more later in the show. But it was a really incredibly honest and powerful thing that he did on on Cutting Edge. Uh, how important is it for young people who may have mental health troubles or fears about discussing their mental health to have celebrities, if you will, like Al and Blind Boy, openly talk about their issues? Yeah, I think the fact that they're comedians as well is such a kind of. I mean, well, yeah, rumor about the but Yeah, so I think that the fact satirical that artist. yeah, yeah, yeah satirical are. artist. <laughs> I think the fact that they're comedians is kind of a really because it, it shows that you can have kind of these two. It's like it's, it's okay to have kind of, kind of well. the sp- Yeah, I suppose it's, it's kind of like a cliche now that you're the, the, the sad clown behind it all. Yeah, like, yeah. You don't hear of it as much. It's kind of like once you see someone that's like, I mean, they don't look like depressed. Exactly, exa- and that's kind of it. that could be an issue as well. That like people think, oh, well, he can't be depressed. Like he's funny. You know, that exactly. Kind of like, yeah, because you're then branded with yeah, like, ex- oh, he's hilarious. He's, he must be fantastic crack yeah, all of the all time. of the time. Yeah, it's almost like you can't be vulnerable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. And this kind of Al Porter and uh, Blind Boy kind of coming out and saying, listen, we we were, we are and we're vulnerable. Mm. This is kind of what we are. Peeling back the mask, kind of is it's it's great for kind of young people who, who might feel the same way of course um, it was good as well because like Al Porter obviously he seems to be going through the midst of his depression yeah yeah exactly and he was very very like um, you could see he was very like upset when he was shaking when he was holding yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He, I never see him like, and he seems to be like such a cool casual kind of like you know confident he said it himself he was yeah. a confident person he, yeah. but you could visibly see like he was actually shook talking mm. about well he, I mean as well he did, he only told his mother what a, a couple of hours before yeah, he was going on incredible. and the only person who knew was his manager who was picking up his drugs for him mm. yeah. I know I know we're going to talk about it a bit later but I, t- I thought some of the stuff he said was incredible yeah but it was good as well then that there was Blind Boy on as well and like he was obviously at the other end of it and he was like yeah not well maybe like the better part of Cure by looks at and he like was like oh I've been there and I came through it. it's grand kind mm. of thing so I like what I, what I really liked about Blind Boy was that he could kind of see why he, his problems were there you know what I mean he oh, said yeah, he about, was just aware like that was yeah he said about uh, kind of the fear of of anatomy kind of being becoming an adult like yeah. he said that I like thought that was it was really kind of it, it, you know that he has his emotions in check that he, he understands yeah. why this is happening to him which I thought is really kind of it's a real it's it's a different outlook but it's a really kind of refreshing refreshing opinion to have yeah, and yeah. just to sorry just to cut across you there so Blind, Blind Boy spoke about something that many considered an alien concept and that's emotional intelligence and I think that's all she was getting on to yeah. yeah being able to do, to distinguish between your emotions how key uh, do you guys feel a concept like that is? As Blind Boy says, something that shouldn't be taught to children in schools from an early age. Definitely should, should be taught to, yeah, oh, 100%. Of course, yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't even say I'm that emotionally intelligent. No. Let one, alone intelligent. No. So, uh, like, that would be a plus Exactly. Half. A lot of adults, like, a, a lot of the times you wouldn't, I mean, he spoke about it before, the difference between kind of fear and anxiety. How do you really know, 
You know what I mean? How, yeah, how, how can you be... like mental health issues and, and mental and illness. A, yes, yeah. that was a big part of that it. That was yeah, powerful because yeah. in my head I was like, I just always paired them as a two. But they're not kind of, yeah, you kind of have to, mental health issues can lead to lead mental illness. Order, like, yeah. So, so yeah, but no, the emotional intelligence I think is really, I'd be really passionate about something like that. Can you define it actually? Yeah, it's just kind of knowing knowing your different emotions like knowing how to kind of set, as I said knowing how to say, say if you feel if, if, if whether you're feeling fear or anxiety because fear kind of being scared of something is not a bad emotion necessarily but anxiety is bad it's the same as kind of rage kind yeah of, same yeah. as rage and anger rage is a really bad emotion but anger like you can be angry it's nothing really too bad but rage is, is a terrible emotion yeah. so it's just kind of differentiating in your own mind and kind of pinpointing where it's coming from as well yeah as exactly yeah. pinpointing the reasons and, and how can I kind of recognizing it in others how can I control these emotions as well yeah so I think he spoke about talking to Simon Harris uh, as we said at at Electric Picnic and talking about maybe replacing religion or something like that with an emotional intelligence class or CBT or something like that and then as the generations would go on then you'd have much more emotionally intelligent kind of just just adults and children which is obviously would be a huge plus yeah huge plus god almighty yeah definitely the other real part that I thought was interesting was when Blind Boy talked about young men in Ireland needing feminism. Oh, Darryl yeah. Haynes, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and how a lot of young lads he knows have mental health issues because they feel they have nothing to offer a woman. And that's a quote. Now, uh, how do you feel about this? It's an interesting and fairly new theory. I definitely agree with him on that. Yeah. That's, he was so, like, apt in saying, like, it's kind of like, it's always there to be, oh, be chivalrous or kind of hold the door open for the woman and stuff like that. Now, that, them things are grand. Those those small things, that's just politeness, you know. Yeah. But, like, in your own head, you're like, oh, you, you bring someone out to dinner or you bring them out to drink, you're like, I have to pay for all this. Yeah. But, like, you're not thinking, oh, Christ, I have to pay for all this. You're thinking, if I want to be a man, I'm going to have to pay for all this anyway. Do you know what kind of way? You, you wouldn't want them to pay for it. You're like, oh, this is just a stereotype that's there and you want to just conform with that. Mm, I it, feel. Yeah, it's like a tradition almost. Oh, yeah. Like definitely. that you kind of have to, you have to be the man and pay for the pay for the meal but as he well, said like that's coming from the whole thing of like women not working men working men being the more the breadwinners mm. kind of in that situation so then obviously if that's a such a 1940s 50s kind of view yeah. that stems from this but like it shouldn't be the way now I don't want to be the ultimate anti-feminist but the, one of the arguments that people make is is there a problem on the other on the other agenda I mean that's you know if you, if you say that to someone who's a diehard yeah. feminist activist they normally normally don't don't like you saying that too much but is there that if you're going for for a meal do you think the girl that you're going with on the first date expects you to pay something like that just as an example I think I, it sh- I agree that it shouldn't be the way no it, sh- like, it, it shouldn't really but it's still if I'm being honest it's still probably something I would Oh, I would, I would, yeah, you try like, to, unless of course they were absolutely adamant you go splits on it or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it would be. It's hard. It's a hard concept, though. Like he, I, I think, like Blind Boy was saying, like let a woman pay for your. How comfortable would you actually be with a woman paying yeah. for your dinner? Because, like, in all honesty, like that's never been done for me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it is a kind of alien concept yeah. to many. He called it a patriarchal uh, kind of attitude, but it's it's still something that's. I mean, it. Uh, you can see us talking here. It's so ingrained in our kind of yeah. Psyche that like. I suppose it's the next. The next step of feminism is getting this emotional side of feminism to kind of level up. I mean, you have the original feminism. You know, you have the, the votes getting done. And, you know, suffragettes and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And then you know, obviously, equal pay is slowly and steadily getting to where yeah, it the glass be. window being shattered there. Yes. And yeah. So is this what he's talking about? The same way with like the mental issue of feminism is we need to 
change the mind frame for men and women of this is where we have to be for things to be equal yeah because mm. I suppose in a way you are kind of looking down on a woman if you're kind of saying well I'm paying for all this I can't possibly let you pay for all this you know kind of way. it's kind of like it's taking on a responsibility it's taking a liberty really I mean that should be I mean if you if you took it in turns that's fine go split yeah. on that's fine but just all the time when you just that burden's kind of on you and you don't even see it as a burden you see that as a, a requirement for you to yeah. meet up to your manly standards kind of thing that's wrong it is Simple as. Now, we'll move on to Al Porter for a second and his struggles with mental health. He spoke brilliantly on Cutting Edge, and I'd urge everyone to try and watch it. The 10 minute clip from him on yeah, the show. Yeah, it's on the RTE player. Um, oh, and it's it. also on Facebook and on Imagine YouTube as yeah, well. Yeah, there's a lot of want, clips. If you don't want to go through the full ads. No, they actually have a full uh, a 10 minute clip, short 10 minute clip of just Al Porter speaking. Oh, okay. On the yeah. RTE player. Oh, I took so a go at that. Yeah, so uh, I recommend that. The first thing I want to talk about from this is that he spoke about the shame of going to his doctor how he went to one in Carlo rather than in Dublin uh, and how he hid his antidepressants uh, and what I want to ask is do you think that even though people are talking and opening up about their mental health uh, more which is a great thing uh, that there's a whole other stigma involved in having to admit that you take antidepressants and if so how do we manage that? Yeah, I think that's a, I, I, it was something that I kind of never really would have thought about but it's a kind of other branch if you will kind of of mental illness mental health problems I mean antidepressants like antidepressants are kind of thought of as something that's now you're really sick you know what I mean oh, yeah. if that's you have the, antidepressants that's, definite, you're like, that's well, the, the nail in the coffin yeah, you're if like, you will well, I'm definitely crazy now yeah, I'm exactly. taking literal tablets that's like oh it. look at your man over there he's taking pills because he's the, like you know what I mean yeah oh there's so many people that are just like oh it'll, it'll make your thoughts cloudy and then there's the biggest fear that people are like that'll it'll change you yeah exactly but like it won't ta- well it's like it won't change who you actually are but God almighty, that's the reason you're changed. You're exactly. taking them to change to yeah. like try and readjust your old self or to a better self, kind of thing. And as he said about people have this worry that maybe they'll be they'll be on it for life. Yeah. And he said, sure, if I'm on it this time next, if I'm on it this time next year, and I still feel fine. Why not? Why not? You exactly. I mean, I mean, like, what's the problem? Like, there's another thing. People are like, oh, you'll you'll become dependent on on those then as well. But sure, God almighty, I'd say your granny is fairly dependent on her heart medication. Exactly. And yeah, no one's judging like, her. Yeah. I mean, just keeping her alive. This is keeping you taking it's over. Like, Why not? He, he used the kind of. I mean, he used the analogy in a different way in terms of. Di- he said like Carl Spain, the comedian, has diabetes, but you don't label him diabetic Carl Spain. But just in terms of diabetes, like everyone, like diabetics have inject insulin every day. Yeah. I mean, they're still no, no one judges no them. No one judges them. No one's like, everyone feels a bit sorry for them. Your man over there, he's taking instant. Like that's not how it works. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I don't see why antidepressants be different. From a personal point of view, though, if you're <coughs> in that situation, so you, so it's one thing saying you go to your mates and you say, "Lads, I've been, you know, I've been struggling with mental health and whatever," and they're like, "Oh, okay, you can talk to me or whatever." Say you don't tell them that. You're you're one of these people. You know, you don't bother telling you. And probably most of your friends are, are like that, where they they don't want to bother you. You don't tell them, and then the next step is you take antidepressants. Are you suddenly going to go to them? Oh, I've been depressed. Also, I'm on antidepressants. If you're in that position, do you think you find it difficult to do that? hundred oh, percent. Oh yeah, you would. You'd, you'd find it hard to tell any. Like, no matter even if you're on antidepressants or not, it's still really a hard thing to come out to. Like, it's, in, in terms of even just not just with your friends, like with people even in your in your town like you're, you know what I mean yeah hey. I think if you were to come out and be like oh lads yeah I have been like depressed or whatever but I'm I think, taking antidepressants yeah. people are kind of going to be like okay well there's obviously something a bit wrong something there really it's, wrong. It, 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 it's one thing to be like oh maybe people are kind of they they won't bother saying it because they're afraid oh, I won't be taken too seriously if I just say I have that's exactly health. yeah Do you know uh, kind of way if I have antidepressants like I'm taking those as well and then I tell the lads they'll probably take it a bit more serious because the fact that one you reached out for help and two you are actually mm. 
trying to like make amends and take Talos to kind of yeah. fix you up a bit then it's a catch kind of it's a catch 22 though as well because like you know that will alert them that something's really wrong but then again like if you have tablets you know what I mean it's kind of like whoa something's yeah. really it's like, like who is it it's, it's, it's Niall Breslin yeah. Al Porter now and the Bands and like they're kind of getting branded then as well as like oh spokespeople for mental health but that's not kind of what they I, that's I don't not know what their that's, objective at all yeah. I mean Al Porter's a comedian Okay, Brezzy and Ferris musician, but he has gone whole hog being like a sports yeah. person, fair play to him. But I don't feel like Al Porter wants to. He doesn't want it. No, he but just, what he you... just wants to admit he was like, it's okay, but you don't, you don't have to like this stand doesn't up define and be, you. Yeah, like, you don't have yeah. to be like, I don't know, put in the public eye of being like a, a spokesperson for it. You can still just take and just like go about your daily life and be a normal human being. Exactly, I, I agree. think that's what a lot of people are kind of afraid of then as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, Al also spoke about the label that goes along with depression and a number of other mental illnesses, and he. Use the example of Noel Breslin, who suffers with depression. Do you think that we'll ever see a day where people will no longer be defined by their mental illness, and a time when people will be able to look past it? It's it's a it's a big stretch. Yeah, it really is. I, I mean, not not soon. Anyway, I don't think. I'm not sure if I entirely agree with that though, because you've heard of you don't say Kurt Cobain the depressed. So you, you know what? You did shoot him. You did shoot. Yeah, shoot but you don't say. He's depressed. You say, yeah, but you don't say, say he's dead, Darren. Yeah, but you don't say. You know what I mean? Like, it, like that kind of does. Like, I, I, I don't think that's a great example. But Selena really? Gomez or is it Demi Lovato? Which both, one? Literally both, both, both. Yeah, yeah. they both cancel tourism. Yeah, yeah, but you don't, you don't define them as the depressed person who just. It, well, the label the is only, there, though. Yeah, the Demi Lovato, I definitely would. Yeah, Selena Gomez, the label is there. Like, yesterday, so I haven't got time. It's to, not necessarily. To yet, it's not necessarily define like massively defining. It's just the label is always, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. always going to be it's just tied along to you then. Yeah, like Brezzy's the perfect example. Like, I mean, yeah. it's kind of if you say it once, that's that's out of jar. Then you're is exactly. that on the case of Brezzy though? Just because he's campaigning, where say the other two that I just mentioned earlier, I I'd still regard them as performers because they're not coming out and you know speaking about it the same way that you say someone is a is a diabetic. Like this perform this person could be a diabetic, but you're you're, you're still considered them as you know they're a performer. I suppose, but when it starts to affect their shows, like I mean, look at Kanye West there, he's been hospitalized for like mental health problems now as well. Mm. So, and I mean, he has always been a bit off the wall, so I suppose everyone has been kind of like labeling him as a bit, you know, mad or crazy kind of thing. But I feel like that's the kind of hang with him for a good while now, too. Even someone like Tyson Fury, like he has really bad mental health issues and like had to give up his titles and stuff like that. And when he comes back, what's everyone gonna say? Oh, he wonders he in the right frame of mind. Yeah, now. exactly. And, and if he loses, oh well, he wasn't. In, do you know what I mean? Yeah, His mental that, health issues means just, that it will follow you. That's, like, and that's the yeah. fear most people will be like. That's going to be attached to me, even if it isn't. Do you know, even if you aren't like a high, if you are high profile, and people are kind of like, oh, they wouldn't label you necessarily as the depressive, you know, performer. You're that, in that own person's head. It's going to be like, yeah, exactly. Everyone's going to be like t- thinking of that or talking about that, and that will probably just make it worse. Yeah, oh, nearly, sure. One you know I mean? to the other. No, it won't. It won't help. So that's just what I think. Well, that's our mental health talk for this week. No doubt we'll probably have another one. Yes, we're going to regular section. Next up, we're going to talk about Stephen Gerrard's retirement. Down the fourth official has got the board. Reese's cross. Oh, it's going. It's going. It's going. Ensuring the best cup final of modern times. 
think he thought, I'm just going to hit this because, you know, I can't run with it. I can't, can't really get my full range of passing. The ball gets played in from Reese's. Welcome back to Shooting Straight. Uh, gentlemen, in our sports section today, we're going to focus on one of the greats in English football, uh, with Liverpool currently second in the Premier League, one point behind Chelsea. They seem to be in the best form they've ever been in before. But one of the men who definitely had a hand in their previous success at the club is, of course, Stephen Gerrard. Made captain of the team at the young age of 23, in his prime was offered to move to high-profile clubs such as Real Madrid and Chelsea, but however remained loyal to the club that he grew up with. But gentlemen, my question is, did perhaps remaining at Liverpool and not moving club restrict him uh, in what he has achieved in his career and maybe didn't get the chance to realise his full potential? Gentlemen, what do we think? Yeah, I probably would say it did. Um, I mean, you look at he could have gone to Chelsea probably. If he had gone to Chelsea, he would have won numerous league titles could have won more because he would have 100% added so much quality to that Chelsea team um, Real Madrid obviously you move to Real Madrid you're going to win titles that's just like pretty much a given but I think a lot of thing, a lot of people will I, I think he'll be a better better I mean it's no consolation to him now that he you know what I mean he'll be better remembered because he stayed loyal to Liverpool and he was kind of a Liverpool legend and he yeah. stayed true stayed true with them through the good and the bad times but I think just on a personal note for him, if he had a move to maybe a Chelsea or Real Madrid or something and one more league title, he would have 100% won more league titles. But oh, of course, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not sure if I agree with you. Like, it says, did he realise his full potential as a player? Oh, I as a player, he, then as a player, he probably, did. yeah. Um, as well. In a but just in terms of success, like... You well, know. in terms of success, no. That's, he didn't, didn't win a league title or whatever, but... In terms of him, he seemed to have got the most out of everything that he could have as as a player. Um, as you mentioned, you're saying that he might regret the things that he didn't win. But at the end of the day, do you think in 20 years he'll regret more not winning a league title? Or do you think he will... The, the, the pros outweigh the cons where he'll be so loved by Liverpool oh that's what I'm saying yeah no 100% oh, he'll remain like a, a saint yeah, there that's, that's, so yeah 100% I feel there's, there's going to be regrets on one side what do you think he would prefer his regrets being leaving Liverpool or not having no as I say definitely they'll stand him in higher stead uh, as now that he's retired that he stayed with Liverpool yeah so like to be honest to answer the question I think that he obviously he didn't win as much as he could have if he moved but from his own career I don't think on a personal level that he should have too many regrets yeah. in all honesty no he shouldn't have no I mean it's it's been, it's really is kind of picking at something because he played at the highest he was for me he was in about about 08 08 09 he was probably the best midfielder in the world maybe behind Kaka even up there Kaka only say. really last couple of seasons yeah yeah Gerrard and I've never seen a player be able to pull a team out of a hole by himself like like Steven Gerrard did never I've never seen it since and I probably what about Messi now or someone like that even not even I mean Messi's a different kind of player but oh, even Gerrard just as a captain he could just get the team kind of going I mean the the best example of that obviously has to be Istanbul, Istanbul yeah. you know what I mean 3-0 down at half time against AC Milan like the best team in the world back then <laughs> you're right. I mean, you're right. Like, even if you're playing the match, you've written yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're you like, you say this. Right, lads, you say this in your head. You're like, we're pretty. You know, we were down and out here. Jared just grabbed them all, kind of by the scruff of the neck, and said, "Come on, we're winning this." I think there's one thing being a great player, and you said as a midfielder, he was one of those. He was up there with the best of them. But what pushed him over the line as maybe being the best in the world, or 
where you, where you put him alongside the likes of Zidane or you put him alongside like Lampard you're probably above Lampard I would that's, that's just, just slightly put him above Lampard yeah. but that's not a knock on Lampard is just what you said there was he was literally captain fantastic oh yeah in sport. there's if you look back at the greatest captains in the history of football can you think of many ahead of, of Steven Gerrard I would I would not put many ahead of Steven Gerrard in the modern day the only people that you can think of weighing up to him is someone like Puyol yeah um, maybe you have Zidane uh, Cannavaro Vieira had a good Vieira, one but, but even that's Roy Keane I'm, Keane. I'm, I'm clutching at straws ish <laughs> you know what I mean I wouldn't I'd put Gerrard probably ahead of most probably at the top maybe. yeah along yeah he's right up there 100% because I mean he, with all due respect to Liverpool he was wouldn't have been playing with the kind of likes of the players that Puyol yeah. or kind of Zidane would have been playing fairness, with you yeah. know what I mean he, there was some obviously your Torres Alonso Carragher some real world class players there but it doesn't really match up in the slightest to a yeah. team like Barcelona the, the team that won the 2005 Champions League team player for player they weren't great they weren't great no but the, you know what I mean they had if you have that leader and you have kind of uh, and once a, a team buys into exactly what what's the captain wants and, and that that was a perfect exa- example of it yeah I say it says a lot about him that Roy Hodgson made him permanent uh, permanent captain uh, at England when uh, when they were playing, oh, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, he, it? he des- it was deserved, hundred percent. Yeah, that's yeah. actually just one of the other captains we failed to mention was John Terry. Love him, Harry. Yeah, yeah, Terry definitely is a big, good leader. Already, he's a good leader, it. but my God, he's done some. He's a bad man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that, it's funny though how England probably have three of the most like le- leader style players. Oh yeah, of of all time in Terry Lampard and Gerard. Gerard. So it's a bit unfortunate that he he didn't get the captaincy sooner. Maybe yeah, because you look at how kind of if if you were to compare maybe that Liverpool side that won the Champions League to an England side, I'd say that Liverpool side who won the Champions League are not not at all better than than an England squad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just a pity that he couldn't really do anything with that England, like to to not not even to kind of win it, just to get to a semi final or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean they. They underwhelmed in the 06 World Cup, underwhelmed yeah. in 2010, yeah. 04-08. Yeah, didn't make it away. 04 underwhelmed. So it's a bit disappointing there, but again, it's not a knock on Steven Gerrard's career in the slightest. He had a good England career. Yeah. Well, did he though? Yeah, I think he had a solid England career. Yeah, I, I mean... Sure some of the best players haven't had a great... Yeah, he was a bit of a victim of his kind of surroundings as well in, in yeah. terms of England's fail. Right, Murphy, you were mentioning the, the 3-0 down half-time Champions League final against AC Milan and then how he, he brought Liverpool to, to, to beat them on penalties, I do believe. But... Um, Come here to me, him not winning any Premier League uh, title, like, does that damage his legacy, maybe? Does that take uh, away... He, he'll, always, he'll always have that. I mean, he'll always... That'll as John him. Terry will always have to slip. <laughs> 13-14, he'll always have that slip. Yeah, you know what I mean that will yeah. always stick with him um, so for me no it doesn't really damage him much uh, because without him they don't even get a sniff of a league title Yeah, I don't think 13-14 maybe they do Suarez Sturge, but other times that they got close they don't get a sniff without Gerrard so you know what I mean I mean yeah you, you can always people are always going to say the league and this is the nature of football fans if if, if Ushin is a Lampard fan I'm a Gerrard fan he can list all the goals Lampard scored and all the titles he won doesn't make him a better player yeah. sure, you have like Anderson has how many more league it, this titles is not about Steven that like, yeah, exactly. but how many times has, Lamp- er, has Anderson score- scored a last minute equalise against West Ham to exactly to change a game league, yeah, yeah you know? exactly so there's, a, there's always going to be question marks unless you're that exceptional footballer who has done everything say someone like Cristiano Ronaldo 
even still people try to make question marks even even though he's yeah. doing everything. No, he's a he's an animal. Yeah. There's, there's always going to be something that you didn't do. If he'd won the Premier League, he wouldn't. He didn't. He would have failed at England level. If yeah. He, if he didn't do that, he, he didn't win the club World Cup. With, with there's the always yeah, there'll always be something. There's something. So I mean, the league is obviously a big one. As Oshin said, it, it, it might play in his head, but he without him, Liverpool wouldn't have been close to winning a Champions League. The Liverpool side weren't good enough to win a Champions League, let alone get to another one, another final 2007. Yeah. For me, we look back at Steven Gerrard as a far better player than we did when, when he was here, I think. Absolutely. And you don't know what, yeah. what you have until it's gone. Exactly, kind of exactly. And uh, I already spoke about Champions League win uh, in AC Milan. Uh, um, I say that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think are his biggest highlights from his uh, illustrious career? Yeah, oh, Champions, Champions League, um, captain in Liverpool, the FA Cup, FA Cup, and... yeah. No, there was any matches like not not the big ones, but like kind of the ones where he just clinched. Uh, like, I remember key games. Liverpool kind of. beat Newcastle five 0 I think it was oh eight oh nine, and I remember he just ruined Newcastle. He just dominated. Ran him. He scored. He might have scored twice. I remember he definitely scored once, but he just dominated the whole game. I mean, he was incredible. Like. He was that kind of box to box that you don't yeah. really get so much anymore. He, I think as well, one of the most impressive things, and it's as it's it's a tragedy as well that his the campaign where they they could have won a Premier League title and he had to slip against Chelsea, but that's Steven Gerrard, two years before he retired, uh, a year before he did absolutely or two years before he did absolutely nothing with LA Galaxy, uh and given the difference between the player that was playing for Liverpool in the middle of the park with Suarez, Sturridge and the difference two years later how he was still able at that late point of his career to be putting in these world class yeah it was incredible for 36 of the 38 games of the league season mm. yeah a fantastic player no He's, he'll, he'll be missed he will be missed alright gentlemen uh, thanks very much for your take on Steven Gerrard we'll be right back after this Wait till my girls see that I was at a party with Lord. The flag of food is good. Lord sucks. Yeah, she isn't as hot in person. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am Lord, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord, Lord, come in, Lord, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I am Lord. I am Lord. Lord, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Shooting Straight. And for our last story, lads, we're going to take a little bit of a different angle. We're going to look at an interesting column by Adam Craig in The Guardian last week, who praised South Park. Uh, Craig is a documentary maker himself and he says to be honest I find the best documentary reporting these days in things that don't really classify as documentaries they are all about portraying the real world but they do it in ways that are surprising and imaginative they make you look at things in new ways he also criticises the way documentaries are out just to appease their audience as a result they tend to be- they tend to play to what their audience already knows reinforcing their beliefs but interestingly it is South Park that he holds in the highest regard but the true genius he says is South Park Every week they report on the world in a really original way. Their recent shows have been all about social media and internet trolling. And it is just wonderful. They make you realise how strange and absurd that world is. If you've watched South Park this season, you will know how they're tackling issues like cyberbullying and their dependency on social media as a whole, as well as simultaneously hitting nerves such as suicide caused from addiction to social media. So lads, the first question I ask is why do you think South Park has the freshness uh, in this longevity that maybe other TV shows like I don't know something like The Simpsons which uh, everyone kind of agrees it's, it's lost its touch at this stage or something like Family Guy has been able to achieve yeah well the, 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 f- <coughs> the first thing in a logistic kind of sense of view is that South Park um, 
it has that cheap animation style where it only takes them X amount of days. To, it takes them about six days to do an episode. So if, if their episode was to air, air tonight, they could write a script through the night and have it ready, voiced all the animation and into the studio in time to be aired next week. Mm. So fair enough. I know we, Ocean, we love our production value. We do. But in that way, say the Sim- they say a Simpsons episode in total has about it takes nine months to fully complete between doing everything with it. are you serious so, so that's the total kind of between getting all the voices all the animations and now it's obviously not nine months per episode of course then there wouldn't be five or six hundred episodes or whatever yeah but um, because South Park can do this in six days they're more they, topical they're as well. more yeah. topical and that's the, that's the key word there their freshness and their longevity you see even the fact the Probably the worst episode of the season was their uh, results to the election. But that was because they had pinned everything on Hillary Clinton. Yeah, yeah. Didn't we all, though? Yeah, true. They were still able in six days to just flip everything around and make a new episode and have have the whole story change. Whereas Simpsons would just have to scrap that and just Mm. act as if something like that. So it's kind of sacrificing your production values for kind of... Being being, being topical. Yeah, being being topical. So it's a good kind of... It's good. It's a good way to look at it. I feel, um, as Craig says in the piece, uh, they're all about portraying the real world, but they do it in ways that are surprising and imaginative. Uh, what is it that has surprised you by South Park that's kept it relevant? Um, yeah. Well, I, I suppose that the thing with me is they uh, first of all they kind of they change the show instead of doing much like say The Simpsons and Family Guy where they just do a skit episode a skit episode a skit episode now they've changed their show that has a long running story yeah I, I, I like was that. noticing that as well yeah 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 the whole the story arc, longer yeah. arc that they had there that's um that, that plays them I think that's kind of it keeps you because keep, I re- I don't actually watch South Park and I, I only watched that episode because you wanted to talk about it on this and like after I'd finished the episode I was kind of like I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind baiting on to the next yeah. episode I was kind of like this is kind of drawing me in a bit mm. but like with The Simpsons it's just kind of it's always off the wall it could be ending kind of thing again Black Mirror kind of going they have that kind of but like obviously they clear up a whole story not that time but. do you think it's a, it's kind of a bold move to do it in season 20 to kind of just start having this kind of well no I think I think that's the thing where it was they, they realised they needed something fresher yeah it wasn't if they were doing that South Park would have died a slow death but what really struck me with South Park is they like to push an agenda uh, but they also like to take the absolute mickey out of what yeah. they're pushing so by and large they're a liberal show but now they have their principle at the moment is called PC principle and they take the absolute piss out of people who take political correctness mm. to the absolute like death of the word like and that's the thing it, it says it in Craig's column I don't have the exact quote but he says something about the, the real root of reality is getting to it in a way that you wouldn't imagine. Yeah, and and that's what they're really getting at. The um, they're basically giving two sides of the story that people can relate to, and then they realize, right, I'm at this. You realize by watching it what where you are between these two extremes. Yeah, so if you kind of strip away the kind of the foolishness, kind of, and the the crude humor, you get to the real kind yeah. of. Yeah, no, there's an underlying message in a lot of it. So mm, like, I mean, the it real core, core like, values, definitely. And how do you how important do you think kind of having a satirical show like South Park? is to like just just even to society and to kind of like to kind of play off these big things that people are concerned about in, in today's society ah, it's just like it keeps those who are in the public eye it kind of keeps them a little bit in check I feel you know kind of way because like obviously the news does that but like again with political correctness you have to just 
reported the way it is but like with this it kind of takes the mickey out of me kind of shows look this is this is we're able to, this is ridiculous what you're doing mm. you know that kind of way and they obviously push it to an extreme but like people laugh at that and they're like yeah that's relate that's that's understandable yeah. i can see you kind of doing that i mean like with trump and clinton there i thought it was like very apt what they were doing in fairness yeah and what is it that they say about do you, were you ever on holidays and you get the the person who draw you and they put you with a big caricature yeah, yeah caricature or even like say impressions and as, as paul said they go to one extreme and that's the importance of a satirical show like south park whereas they do these really like humorous and funny things but because you relate to one of them you're going to relate to the issues at hand and you're actually yeah. going to be emotionally attached to what's actually happening and then you're going to be more tuned in even in a roundabout way of like uh, like as Paul says it puts you in check of where you actually are mm, yeah it's a really eye opening show so lads thanks for joining me yeah. Dara Paul and we'll see you again for another episode of Shooting Straight ladies and gentlemen let me introduce to you the next president of the United States Donald Trump want to build a wall let's make a plan today don't want to see them we'll have a door but lock it every day it will cost a lot of money but that's fine we'll get mexico to pay do you want to build a wall i'm not gonna pay for that wait a minute wait 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 wait, wait, wait. Do you want to build a wall? A lot of people think I can't. I'll get it up and finish this. Just ask Melania. Yes, my husband is quick. I will make things happen. I will build a wall. And then we will have a literal crime rave. Crime rave. Crime rave. Crime rave.